With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. As you guys know, I'm your host, Tyler, and... To be entirely honest with you guys, uh, we're all friends, right? So so I can be honest here. But to be honest, I have less than zero interest in doing this show today. Just have to be real about it. I, I'm definitely not in the sky is falling crowd. Certainly not there. Uh, although that crowd has been quite vociferous over the last 24 hours. And that started as soon as that game, really not even when the game was over, like halftime that game, I was hearing people in the stands go down that route. But uh, I am not on that train But I will say I'm certainly not feeling great. I think that's fair to say. And uh, I would love to be able to just wallow in my sorrows here today. But my job as the host of this show is to come on here and give you guys the best content I can, win or lose. And that's exactly what I'm going to do today. At least that's what I'm going to give my best shot at doing today. We'll we'll see how it goes, but I'll give it my best shot. Uh, Curtis still has a couple more law school final exams this week, so he is hard at work studying for those. And Charlie, she's going to be with me filling in the rest of this week with our official, official mailbag show, but today I am going at it solo, and I wasn't entirely sure how to go about this particular show. I mean, we we all saw it. It it was a beatdown. It was painful. It, It sucked. What is there really else left to say? We got destroyed. We got our pants pulled down on national television. The end, right? Uh, so ultimately, I decided to just let your questions and comments guide this recap show. I guess at the end of the day, it's kind of it's kind of a mailbaggy recap. We can call it that. It's certainly not all of our mailbag questions because those are still rolling in, and a lot of those are looking at more big picture type stuff. So we're gonna save those for the midweek show with Charlie. Today is just going to be the questions that relate specifically to Saturday's game. So if we don't get to your question today, I promise we're going to get to it later this week. But uh, today, we're just going to kind of focus on the questions that dealt with the SEC title game. I do also want to make sure to mention here at the outset of the show that I am well aware of some potential movement on the coaching front as it relates to Sam Pittman and the Arkansas head coaching position. I had heard a a few very quiet whispers about Pittman in Arkansas when Chad Morris first got fired a couple weeks back, but they were very faint whispers, and and I I had heard at that time that he was pretty far down their list of candidates, so I wasn't all that worried about it, kind of just put it in the back of my mind, but that program is in very bad shape, and uh, apparently they struck out on just about every other name on their list. So the Pittman to Arkansas team, that has picked up heavily today. Uh, And as of right now, as I speak, 
no contract has been signed. At least no reports have come out that a contract has like officially been signed. So I'm going to hold off on discussing that potential development until it actually happens. It might well have happened by the time you were listening to this show, but as of right now, no official announcement has been made. But of course, if that does end up happening right now, honestly, it looks like it probably will if I had to guess, but again, nothing official. Uh, We will obviously discuss that later in the week along with any other potential coaching moves that might come down the pipe here in the next couple of days. So yeah, another potential gut punch there. So we'll see how that all plays out. But as for the SEC Championship game, I got some questions about that game, obviously. So let's go ahead and get to it. The first question here is from Chad. Chad, I appreciate the question, my friend. So Chad asks, I figured we would probably lose this game, but I thought we would at least give them a better game. How did this beatdown happen? Chad, that's a that's a great question. We we all know it was a beatdown. As I said earlier, we all sat there sat there and watched that happen. But uh, how did that happen? I mean, I told you guys in the preview show that to win this game with our deficiencies on offense, our very well documented deficiencies on offense, what we've all seen the last half of the year, and, and even early in the year we saw signs of it, but it's just been bad the last at least the last third of the season. I told you guys we would have to play our cleanest and our best game of the season. And just to put it bluntly, that didn't happen. We, we certainly did not play our best game this season. Like We we had chances. I'm not going to say that we were going to win this game. But like we had chances to at least make this a game. Uh, but not only did we not play our best game, in a lot of ways, I think you can argue that we played one of our worst games at the exact wrong time. Obviously, the South Carolina performance, that was clearly our worst team performance of the season. And ultimately, that cost us a shot at the college football playoffs. If we don't lose that game, I think we're in. I think we're in no matter what. I mean, we we were right there as the, 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 the number five-ranked team yet again, the first team not in the college football playoff yet again, the bridesmaid yet again. Uh, and I, th- I think if I'm pre- to me, it's pretty clear. If we don't lose South Carolina, the SEC championship game was just about seeding. It wasn't about playing your way in. It was just about seeding. But um, yeah, so it might have been our worst played game, but it certainly was one of the worst games that we played as a team throughout this year. And, and, and to kind of build off that, think back to the preview show, guys. If you listen to that show, think back to that show. And think about what I said we would have to do to win this game. Did any of those things happen? Like, I'm talking even one of them. Did even one of those things happen? Let's go down the list. We think about this off the top of my head here. So uh, one of the things I said was that Jake Fromm would have to play uh, like the Jake Fromm of old, like the best version of Jake Fromm. He he had to bring that version of himself. Well, that definitely didn't happen. I mean, Jake, uh, he did some good things, but he missed some throws, missed a potential potential touchdown pass. We had a question about Jake Fromm later on. We'll get to more of that later on. But he certainly did not play like the best version of himself. Um, another thing I said is that when LSU presented us with some opportunities offensively, like we had chances to hit some plays on the field, because I told you guys that they would bust in the secondary, because that's what they do. They're, they're, that's not what they do, but they have done that pretty consistently throughout the year. They're super talented in the secondary. It's tough to beat them one-on-one, but they will bust. There's some communication issues at times. And we had a few opportunities, and uh, I told you guys we would have to hit those opportunities when they were presented to us on offense. But, huh, 
Didn't do that. Now you think about just the first drive. Think about the first drive. So I think it was the first play of the game. Go play action, take a shot down the field to Tyler Simmons. Beautiful play call by, by James Coley. Dialed it up there. And say what you want about Jake Fromm, but man, he put the ball flat out on the money on that throw. I mean, dropped a dime there to Tyler Simmons. Um, could have been a touchdown pass potentially, but Simmons uh, just dropped it. So that was a, a miss there. And then you got Matt Landers dropping a touchdown pass. And the game was... Kind of out of hand. I mean, it was 20 to 3 at that time. But again, we could have at least cut it closer. And, and who knows what would have happened. Like, it looks like the committee was really discussing the possibility of us having having us in that in that uh, in the playoff conversation there. And who knows? Maybe if it was a close loss, like we could have snuck in there, maybe. But uh, you know, obviously it didn't play out like that. But Landers, if he catches that touchdown pass, cuts it to 20 to 10. Who knows what happens there? We're not gonna probably gonna, still not gonna win the game. But again, it could have been a close game, close loss. Um, and then. You got Fromm missing a touchdown pass on on the first drive. Um, I think it was the first drive, at least in the first quarter. Well, I think it was at least a potential touchdown pass to Demetrius Robertson. And we just we we had some opportunities and we just we didn't hit them. We did not hit them when they were there. And uh, when I honestly when I saw that first potential touchdown pass to Simmons go through his hands, I was and I know that's like the first play of the game. So I'm like, yep, yep, we, we got to hit plays like that. We, I mean, there's just, you know, that I felt at that point we were probably going to lose. And I know that's crazy talk because, you know, it's just the first play of the game. But I, I told you guys on the on the previous show, we had to hit those plays when they were there. And the first play of the game, we had a play there, and we didn't hit it. And I just kind of felt that was a sign of, of things to come, and it kind of played out that way. But a couple more things I said we had to do, you know, we, I said we would have to maximize opportunities. So when we got in the red the red area or even the green area, we're going to have to score touchdowns. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. We had to settle for a, a field goal from the 22-yard line. So I know not quite the red zone, but essentially the red zone. Had to try, settle for another field goal uh, from the 20-yard line that Rodrigo ended up missing. So can't do that. We had to score touchdowns. You score touchdowns there, again, different game. At least a closer game. But uh, it just didn't happen that way. Another thing I said defensively that we had to do in this game was to keep Joe Burrow in the pocket. Have to keep him contained. Make him beat us in the pocket. Do not let him escape and make plays on the field. Because I told you, he's kind of a maestro there. When plays break down, he's able to extend plays. Their receivers do a really, really good job in the scramble drill. And we had to keep him in the pocket. I told you guys actually that was going to be... I told you actually, I think the words I said was, I cannot overemphasize how important that is. And man, hmm, that kind of played out. We certainly did not do a good enough job keeping him in the pocket. I mean, that 71-yard pass he had, that said another score after uh, we, Rodrigo missed that field goal. That absolutely sealed the deal. It was all flat out 100% over there if it wasn't already over, and they go up 27-3. So potential 14-point swing there. Landers dropped a touchdown pass on one end. Uh, we have a, a potentially have a chance to sack Burrow for a big loss on first down. He gets out of that. Hits a 71-yard pass. This sets up a, uh, another score for them. Now it's 27-3 instead of 20-10 to potentially. So, yeah, didn't do that. Um, the other thing I said, I think the actual the biggest key to the game I said there on a 3-2-1 segment on the previous show was that we had to start fast, that we could not play from behind because we are not we, – we, our offenses haven't been built to do that really since Kirby's been here, but especially not this year with our defici- deficiencies in the passing game. But uh, yeah, w- what was the score in the first quarter? That's right, fourteen nothing. Uh, LSU forced us to play on their terms. We we had to try to force them to play on our terms, and we did not do that. So yeah, basically every single thing that I laid out, laid out in the previous show that we would have to do to win this game, we did not do one of them. Not one of them. So Chad, if you're wondering how did that beatdown happen, that's how it happened. We just didn't do anything that we needed to do to beat LSU and uh, win this game. Just didn't do any of them. 
So uh, next question here is from Eric. Thank you for the question, Eric. Uh, Eric says, obviously, this was a terrible performance as a team. But if you had to point out one thing as the biggest reason why we lost this game like we did, what would it be? Well, Eric, that's a, that's a good question, man. I appreciate it. I mean, there's a lot of things, man. I mean, what could you not point out? I mean, we had so many issues in that game. But if I had to point at one, I guess I would say in general, just the lack of the passing game, which has been the issue last third of the season. Um, but if I had to be even more specific than that, because it's not just them. I mean, Jake didn't play great either. We'll get to that. I think that's the next question here. But if I had to get even more specific and narrow, I would say wide receiver personnel issues. That's that's It's as simple as that, man. We've just had... We just don't have the players at that position right now to win at the highest level. Um, we could beat a lot of good teams. You can beat the guys, you know, teams like Florida and Notre Dame and Auburn. But to beat those top four level teams, we don't have the receivers to do it right now. Uh, it would take a perfect game. Like our margin for error is just it's reduced so dramatically with with the receiver personnel that we have that it would take just the the perfect effort offensively. We didn't get that. We didn't get close to that. Uh, we just had so many recruiting misses at that position. It's just staggering, really. I mean, think about the guys, some of these guys that we brought in that have just been essentially non-contributors. I don't want to say non-contributors. They just haven't been what we needed them to be. Um, Trey Blunt, I mean, he's essentially been a non-contributor. Uh, seems like he's a great guy from all accounts, but just hasn't really panned out on the field, and that's unfortunate. Matt Landers, I mean, God, I told you guys going back to the beginning of the season, and I said it again actually to somebody in the stands yesterday. He has all the potential in the world, man. He has every physical tool you would need. He's got the physical profile to be a great player, but it's just not translating. It's just and he's still young, so maybe he's got a chance. You know, I don't want to give up on him yet, but it wasn't it wasn't his year this year, that's for sure. So far, that's been a miss. Um, I think he has a chance to become a good player if he keeps working, but so far it's been a miss. Tyler Simmons, we know as a receiver, it was a miss. He's been a great special teams player for us. He's been a good presence in the locker room, all that kind of thing. But um, it has some misses there. I mean, that's just three at the top of my head. And think about some of the guys that we didn't sign. Um, some guys that we kind of just either, I don't want to even say missed on, but like Rashad Bateman and Minnesota guys, the guy that we just completely passed on, completely passed on out of Tiff County, Georgia. And we tried to get in there a little bit late in the process, but you know, he stuck with Minnesota because they'd been with him the whole time and we kind of slow played him. Rashad Bateman is one of the better receivers in America, guys, over, over 1,100 yards receiving 11 touchdowns this year. And we let that guy get out of Tiff County, Georgia. Think we could have used him this year? Yeah, I'd say so. Nico Collins is another guy. I know he's out of Alabama, but we were heavily involved with him the entire 2017 cycle. And I don't know exactly what happened down this stretch. I really don't know. Um, it could have been that Jim Harbaugh mission came in and swooped in the last second and just stole, stole him from us. Could have been that, or it could have been that we just kind of cooled on him and we went another direction. But Whatever the reason, we needed a guy like that. And instead of getting a guy like Nico Collins, who put up um, over 630-ish yards this year for Michigan, we took Mark Webb, who has been a contributor for us, but on the defensive side of the ball. We took him a, took him a receiver. We took, uh, like I said, uh, Trey Blunt, who's done – he just hasn't been a contributor. He just simply has not been a contributor. Matt Landers hasn't been a contributor. I mean, he's been out there. I shouldn't say he hasn't contributed, but – he hasn't been the kind of guy that we need. He hasn't been a guy that's had 600-plus yards receiving for us in a season. And then you throw in also in that 2017 class, you got J.J. Hallman, who was in line to become our number one receiver this year. And we all know how that went down uh, with this with this, with the uh, domestic violence accusation and then him being dismissed from the team. So just a lot of misses, uh, a lot of unfortunate developments at the receiver position, especially when you're bringing Lawrence Cage, you're going and trying to address the situation with a grad transfer. And he's been he was great for us, and then – He's hurt all season, and it's just, uh, yeah, so personnel issues were just, um, 
too much to overcome at the wide receiver position. And I, I would say this, like, look, all of our guys work hard. I love all of our guys. And I don't, I really hate, honestly, I do. I, I, I kind of feel weird criticizing any of our players because these guys work so hard. They put so much on the line for us, but I'm trying to be as objective as I can without making this personal. Uh, I mean, if you trade our wide receiver group this year with the wide receiver groups of any of the four teams in the college football playoff, like you take their wide receivers, give them to us, take our wide receivers, give it to them. And we are in the playoffs and whatever team that we trade with, they're out. I truly believe that. I mean, watch how teams defend us and how they defend everyone else. Like, look at other like uh, downhill rushing teams, you know, pro style teams like Wisconsin. Teams don't even defend Wisconsin's run game, which is exactly what they do. That's all they do is they run the football with Jonathan Taylor, but they don't even defend their run game as aggressively as they defend ours with inside linebackers playing like two yards off the line of scrimmage, safeties triggering downhill at the snap with reckless abandon if they're not already in the box. Like, they don't even see heavy boxes to the degree that we do. And the reason teams are able to defend us like that and stifle our running game, like our running game, you guys know, like it was fine this year, but it wasn't nearly as effective as it has been the past couple years, even with a guy the caliber of DeAndre Swift in the backfield. And the reason is teams have no respect for our passing game. And you can say, Jake, from all you want, Jake had some issues this year. Don't get me wrong. We'll get to that in a second. But our wide receivers just did not scare anyone outside of George Pickens at times. And then Cager when he was healthy, but Cager wasn't healthy enough and Pickens uh, you know, obviously didn't play in the first half of this game and, and missed the first half of the, of the Tech game and was still learning how to play the, re- the receiver position and run the routes the right way early in the year. So like, we just didn't have the personnel at receiver to really run our offense the way we want to run it. Uh, and then I, another reason I would say that we lost this game, if it, if it wasn't wide receiver issues and just pa- the lack of a passing game, I'd also point at injuries. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses, but let's just be real here. You know, DeAndre Swift was a warrior out there and tried to play. And I want to give DeAndre Swift some credit here. Uh, obviously, he was not remotely healthy. He had, what, two carries for 13 yards. Try to get him in space a little bit in the passing games where he wasn't going to take those those hits in between the tackles. But there was one play particular that stood out to me. that He was in there uh, in the game in the second half, pass protection, and there was a blitz coming up the middle, and he just sold out through his bad shoulder into the defender, into his legs, and uh, took one for the team there. And that's the kind of leader and player DeAndre Swift is. So I just want to give DeAndre Swift a, a huge shout-out just for that one play and, and just for trying to tough it out, man. Uh, but no DeAndre Swift, our best running back. No Lawrence Cage, our best receiver. You got one half of George Pickens. Arguably our third best receiver And Dominic Blaylock goes out in the first half was, uh, with a with a uh, ACL tear. I mean, what chance? Like, we already had almost no chance offensively anyway. Like, our margin was so small and so thin already. But then you have Swift, who's, who basically can't play. Cager's not playing. We knew Cager wasn't going to play. But then Blaylock goes out in the first quarter. I mean, it's just, it wasn't going to happen. It, I mean, injuries just absolutely killed us there. Just, uh, just wasn't going to happen. And before I move on to the next question, I do want to remind you guys real quickly about our good friends at Vivid Seats. So the regular season's come and gone. The SEC title game, well, we all know that one's over, and we all know how that one ended. But we still got another game left on the schedule this year. So we got a big-time matchup, a New Year's Six Bowl game against the Baylor Bears. And if you want to be a part of the, the fun, if you want to help ring in the New Year in the Big Easy to help cheer on our dogs against Baylor, Vivid Seats has 100% got you guys covered. I was actually looking at their their prices in the selection earlier today to kind of get a feel for what was going on, what the prices would be, and I was surprised at how how great the prices are. Still a great selection out there, so if you're looking to have some fun for New Year's, 
Vivid Seats is the place to go. And uh, just go to the App Store or Google Play today, download their Vivid Seats app, and you will automatically be enrolled in their Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. We can earn some credits back. And when it's time to buy, when you find the right tickets, all new users just enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. All right, next up, uh, Aaron has a good question here. Thanks for the question, Aaron. Aaron asks, what did you make of our offense and defensive game plans on Saturday? Were our players not put in the best positions to succeed, or were their players themselves the issue? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question, Aaron. I think defensively, I'll start there. We did exactly what I said I would have done on the, on the previous show. If you go back again and listen to that, and I said I would play. I would come out with our dime package. Uh, that's how you have to defend them with how they throw the football all, all over the field. And they actually one up me defensively. I, I said come out with our dime package, which is six DBs. We came out with a seventh. We had Lewis Seen, uh, our, our backup safety, coming in and playing as a seventh DB. And I actually thought he played really, really well. He's going to be a, a a really good player for us down the road. I know we're going to lose J.R. Reed, and that's tough because J.R. is such a good player for us. But Lewis Seen is a talented player. He's going to fit in very nicely in the secondary next year. But uh, we did what I thought we should do against that LSU offense. Honestly, I don't know what else we should have or could have done. You definitely can't play base defense against them. They'll murder you in the passing game. You can't even play with only five DBs with a nickel package with how that 11 personnel grouping is situated. Because, I mean, they I think it was what? What did Kirby say? 27, 28 straight plays, that 11 personnel grouping. I told you guys in the preview show, that's what they do. That's what makes them so tough to defend. They have access to their entire offense with one personnel grouping. That is just abnormal. I mean, most teams, to get into different formations, different sets, and to get the different aspects of their offense, they have to change personnel. LSU doesn't do that. They run the same personnel. They're able to go with tempo, and you can't adjust, so you have to just try to take away what you can, or take away what they do best, and that's throwing the football. So... Uh, we tried our best, you know, that with that grouping, when they have five skill players that are all receiving threats, you have to respond with athleticism in the secondary. So I, I get what we did. It's what I said I would have done. Actually, even more than what I said I would have done. The problem was we just couldn't win enough one-on-one battles up front, uh, and we couldn't get enough of that interior push that I said we would need to get to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. We just couldn't. When we did, at times, you know, occasionally, we allowed him to escape. We could not get him on the ground, and that was that was an issue. I I put that more on execution defensively than I do the game plan. I thought we did what we should have done defensively from a game plan perspective. We just didn't execute. They just have really good players, and we just uh, couldn't quite get Burrow contained and couldn't get him on the ground. It's unfortunate. I mean, in the first half, like, we don't want to say we completely held them down, but, like, we did a good enough job to put our offense in position. I think we just made a couple plays to make that a game going to halftime, but the offense just couldn't hold up their end of the deal. And, and speaking of the offense in terms of their game plan, like, offensively, I will say this about James Coley. He was in a really tough spot trying to game plan uh, for LSU. Ideally, this is what, again, it's what I said on the previous show. We would have come out and played our game and tried to try to make them play on our terms by running the football down their throat, going that kind of smash mouth attack. Because that's what we're built to do. And when you have some deficiencies at wide receiver and George Pickens isn't playing the first half, to me that made a lot of sense. But I would with a healthy DeAndre Swift, it made a lot of sense. But clearly he was not healthy. And then Brian without Swift. Like Brian Herring, God bless him. The guy works so hard. He's such a tough player, man. I love Brian Herring. But he's just not a number one back. He's just not. And, and, and Zamir White's not ready. He's still coming off the ACL injury. He's gotten better as the year has gone on. But he's not ready to be that number one guy right now. So without Swift, that was almost just out the window. And you kind of neutralizes your best or maybe your biggest advantage 
matchup advantages in, in this entire game, that's your offensive line against the LSU defensive front, that front seven in the trenches, that's kind of neutralized because you're now your 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 top back's gone. And when we saw Swift actually try to carry the football, he looked good, man. Run the football, just couldn't take a hit, so he couldn't play in between the tackles. So with him not playing, you can't really do what I would have done coming to the game. But then on the flip side, with our deficiencies at wide receiver, as I've detailed, we just simply are not built to sling it around. We know that. And, and Kirby even said it after the game in his interview, his press conference, he said, as, as a coaching staff, they felt like we had to put up points. So if we can't run the football, the Swift's not healthy. Well, the only other option is try to throw it. And, and that's that's what we tried to do. And I will say, James Coley dialed up some plays, especially in the first quarter, that first drive even. We shouldn't hit him. We shouldn't execute. Whether it was quarterback missing a guy, it was receivers dropping dimes that were put right in their hands. We just flat out simply did not execute. And the offensive line at times gave up too much pressure. So it's just all the way around, it's just poor execution. So I, I don't necessarily have a, an issue with the offensive game plan. I, again, I don't know what, we, what else we could have done with, with Swift not being healthy in that game. So, uh, yeah, let's move on here. Uh, next question. This is from Wes. Uh, Wes says, uh, appreciate it, Wes. I hate to be the one to ask another Jake Fromm question, but how much of this loss do you put on his shoulders? And, yes, I know, again, as the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, when we have performances like that from Jake Fromm, I've got to answer some questions. got to stand in front of the, the media there and, and answer some questions. And I'll say this. Jake didn't play great. He didn't, and he, and that's and that's true for the entire last third of this season. I thought he played really well, really well against Florida, but after that, I, I can't really look at any of those games. And say, man, he played really, really well. I think I, I, I'm obviously a couple weeks ago we talked about the Auburn game, but I don't think he played poorly in that game. Uh, I think he did what he was asked to do, put the ball in the money when he when he needed to, and uh, there were some issues with receivers dropping balls. I, I just don't think in that game he missed too many throws. But Missouri, he certainly missed some throws. Tech, he missed some throws in that game. He made some good throws, but he missed some throws in that game. And and Saturday was much of the same. Made some good throws, did some good things, but also missed far too many throws. Uh, he missed one potential touchdown to Demetrius Robertson in the first quarter. Uh, missed Dominic Blaylock on a potential third and long conversion in the first half. And uh, that first interception he threw... Was played really well by Derek Stingley at cornerback, but it was a terribly underthrown ball, a, a horribly underthrown ball. I, I, that's, I mean, that was all on from. It was terrible. Uh, that was probably the second pick of the year that I pointed out and said, "Yep, that was his fault." The first one was the one against South Carolina, the pick six right before half, which was a debilitating turnover. But uh, that was uh, that was a bad throw. It was a bad throw, bad pick. So he did not play very well at all. Obviously, he, he did do some good things, and I will say, like, it wasn't all bad. Jay threw some dimes. He he made some good throws. That some of them were caught, but others weren't caught. Uh, the one, I mean, two of them were potential touchdown passes that were not caught. You had the one to uh, to Tyler Simmons in the first quarter, the first play of the game. Then you have the one to Matt Landers. It was right there in his hands. He just dropped the football. So that's two potential touchdown passes put around the money that they just dropped. So it wasn't all terrible. I don't know who wants to point that out. They just want to point out the throws he missed. But uh, he did put some balls in the money. But clearly, he did not play to the standard that he has set for himself. That is pretty clear to me. And uh, I'll, I'll go back. Yeah, he, he, he did miss some throws. I am not going to sugarcoat that. I'm not going to overlook that. He missed some throws, and he's done that too much the last third of the season. But I will say this, and, and I, I guess somewhat of a meek defense of him. Yeah, he missed some guys. He missed some throws. But guys, so does every single quarterback in America. I watched all four playoff teams play yesterday. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, all four of those guys missed at least one touchdown pass yesterday. 
And it was just completely overthrown, just a, a bad throw. They just missed guys. They all four missed at least one touchdown pass in those games yesterday. But no one talks about that because they have the guys around them at the receiver position that make plays for them when they do put the ball in the money. So when they make those plays, when they put the ball in the money and they get touchdowns and they win football games, no one really talks about or remembers the ones that they miss because who cares? They made enough plays to win the game. They remember all the highlights. But right now, Jake Fromm doesn't have that luxury. So what that does is it puts every single miss under the microscope and we blow every single miss up because he doesn't have the corresponding big touchdown plays to go with it like guys uh, like, like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. And that that's the difference right now. And I'm not saying Fromm's as good as those guys. I, I don't think Fromm's as good as Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's as good as Joe Burrow right now. Fields is a totally different animal, a different kind of quarterback. Jalen Hurts, same thing. But the fact is, the last half of the season is Fromm's misses, and there were misses. Don't get me wrong. Again, there were misses, but they're all magnified because we just stare and look at those. We can't turn away because there's no big touchdown plays to distract our to, to uh, kind of distract our attention because our receivers just simply are not making those plays. Like if, if Jay Fromm had T. Higgins and Justin Ross to throw to, you think his numbers might be a little bit better? You think so? You think people would be having the same conversation about how terrible Jay Fromm is and how he's the problem? I would say no. If, if, if he had... If he had Jefferson, if he had Jamar Chase to throw to, you think we're having the same conversation? Again, I would say no. And this is not me saying Jay Fromm is perfect. He is not. And he has got to play better. And he has played better. That's the thing. Like Jay, to me, Jay Fromm has not forgotten how to play quarterback. We, we've, we saw Jay Fromm take us to a national championship game, and we saw him get us to the SEC title last year playing at a really high level. And our offense was really good both years. This year, it hasn't been the same. And what's the big difference? To me, it's not Jake Fromm. I mean, maybe he hasn't played as well. Maybe he's missing more throws than he has in the past. He's still making good decisions. The difference is we don't have the same group of receivers. We don't have the caliber players there. So I'll just, I just again, I just want to throw it out there. Not perfect. Didn't play great. But I think you have to take the whole thing into context here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, moving on. Uh, next question here from Travis. Thanks for the question, Travis. Travis asks, how was LSU able to leap over us like this in just one year's time? Is it really just about one guy? Uh, in, I'm, I know you guys know this, but just in case there's someone listening that, that didn't quite get the reference, he's referencing Joe Brady, the passing coordinator for LSU, brought in from the Saints. Uh, and to answer your question, Travis, yeah, I, I do think it's just about one guy. I, I think that's that's the answer here. I know that sounds too simplistic, but... This LSU team had the exact same personnel last year that they do right now. Same receivers, same quarterback, same running back, essentially the same offensive line, same tight end. And they were not close to what they are now because they were just limiting themselves offensively. They brought in Joe Brady, opened it up. Joe Burrow is the perfect fit for that offense. They have the receivers to make it happen. And look what happens. Now, I know people say, like, God, we want to hire Joe. We need a guy like Joe Brady. Why can't we do what they were doing this year? I'll say this. Like, we didn't we just didn't have that personnel this year. Even if we had Joe Brady, I don't think it would have looked like what LSU was able to do this year because we don't have those that personnel. We don't have those receivers. We don't have Joe Burrow right now. 
So I don't think it like, would our offense have been more explosive. Sure, probably, but it wouldn't have been close to the level that LSU's was at. We just couldn't have done it with the personnel issues that we have. But yeah, I, I think it's it's that they had the right personnel for it. Um, Joe Brady comes in and maximizes their personnel, and the rest is history. So yeah, I think that is the answer. All right, and uh, last question here. Again, we have a lot more questions to get to. We'll get to that. Get to those later in the week. But we want to stick to the, the questions that specifically deal with this game. Uh, Jalen asks, a lot of Georgia fans are up in their feelings right now. And if uh, for some of our older listeners, if you don't understand that reference, up in your feelings means uh, you're emotional. That's uh, young lingo for being emotional. So a lot of Georgia fans are up in their feelings right now. As a Georgia fan yourself, what are you feeling like right now after another year of coming up just short of the college football playoff? Wow, that's a, that's a good feeling. Obviously, none of us are feeling good right now. That's why I said the outside of the show, I don't even want to do this show today because I'm just not not feeling it, not feeling it. Uh, I guess I would say this. You know, one of the things I, I started hearing immediately as the game was over and I was walking out of the stadium, sitting on Marta, listening to people talk, listening to conversations, kind of just eavesdropping, I heard the word embarrassed a lot. And I, I, I've seen that on message boards and on Twitter today as well, that, that word, embarrassed. Uh, we are embarrassing. Uh, this is an emba- this, uh, this team should be embarrassed of themselves. Uh, I'm embarrassed of this team. Whatever variation you want to use with that word, I don't feel embarrassed. That I mean, you could say that was an embarrassing loss. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, that that was a bad loss. But I, I, I've heard people go further than that. Like they're embarrassed of this team right now, and I don't I don't feel that at all. I mean, when you finish. The regular season, and after championship week, I guess, as number five team in the country, the first team left out, that's not embarrassing. Why would you be embarrassed of your program? I know two years in a row, you're the first team left out. That sucks. I get it. But to me, embarrassed isn't the right word. It's frustrated to me. And like, I don't want to lecture anyone. I mean, I want people, obviously, people, please feel how you feel. But I, I'm just telling you a person how I feel. I don't feel embarrassed. I am extraordinarily frustrated. I'm exasperated. Uh, any of those kind of words, that's what I am right now because we are so close and uh, for whatever reason, it's not get, getting it done. Last year, you know, it was we had a, gr- a really good offense. I mean, in terms of offensive efficiency, we were top three in the country last year. Defensively, you just weren't good enough. We were okay. We were good-ish last year defensively, but that was um, that was our deficiency last year. This year, it's the, it's the inverse, just uh, elite defensively and subpar offensively right now I mean if you look at our numbers throughout the whole season we're we're good offensively just not good enough so kind of flipped the roles this year which haven't put it all together is I guess what I'm saying a great defense and great offense together at the same time and that's incredibly frustrating and throwing the injuries and the, and the JJ Holloman situation you know, at, the, at the beginning of the year it's just complete and utter frustration for me uh, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not embarrassed. I mean, look again. I could go back and say, you know, without our best running back, without our best receiver, uh, George Pickens, our second best receiver, out for the first half of the game. Arguably, our third best receiver, Dominic Blaylock, tears his ACL in the first half. I, I mean, what what are we going to do offensively? Again, we already have uh, so many issues offensively as it is, and all those players are hurt or not playing. I mean, come on, like it's. It wasn't going to happen. So no, I'm not embarrassed, but I am frustrated, and I. I kind of had a loss, I guess, is I, I don't like, we've got to find a way to take that next step. And I just, right now we've got to fix the receiver position and we've got to address that through recruiting. And I'm really high on Marcus Roseme coming out of high school uh, next year, but he's going to be a true freshman. There's going to be some growing pains there. Is he going to come and make a major impact in year one? I hope so. We need him to. I don't know. 
but yeah, I'm more frustrated than anything. Uh, there's a lot, I'm feeling a lot of things, but frustration is the one that comes to mind most for me. And of course, all you guys feel however you want to feel. But I, I again will say I've heard that word a lot, embarrassed, and I'm not embarrassed. Just frustrated. Just frustrated right now. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for me here today on the Glory UGA podcast. I appreciate you sticking with me through the show here today. I know um, probably not my best effort. I'm certainly not feeling it, but I gave it my best shot. I want to make sure to have some content for you guys. I want to leave you hanging out there. But Charlie and I will be back later in the week for our official, official mailbag show. And uh, depending on what comes down with coaching news and hires and all that kind of stuff, any movement on that front, or even the recruiting front, we might be back with another show uh, to cover some of that stuff. So we'll just kind of see how that plays out. But we'll definitely be back at least once later this week with our official mailbag show. But thanks for listening, guys. It was a tough weekend. We all know that. But let's still ride behind this team. We've got another game left. I, for one, will be in New Orleans, and I'll be living it up. I love heading to New Orleans. I know a lot of us were, in, oh, were there last year for the Sugar Bowl, but it's always a great time, man. So if you get a chance, please come support this team. Make the trip down to New Orleans, and uh, let's all have a good time and, and wrap up this season. Look forward to the 2020 season where hopefully uh, we can get out of that number five spot and get back in the college football playoff. But, again, thanks for listening. I'm Tyler, and as always, no matter what, go dogs. <laughs>